Hello, Steve here, half of Matchett and the Other Guy. Now, this episode of the show features the pair of us trying our hand at cooking. And now, neither of us are trained chefs, and nor do we pretend to be. And absolutely nothing in this recording should be taken as instructional advice, guidance concerning the correct storage, handling, and or the safe preparation of food. Please always stay safe in your kitchen and always follow the advice of trained professionals. This podcast is pure entertainment, nothing more. All right then, with our mutual unabashed amateur status in the kitchen duly noted, on with the show. Hello and welcome to episode 13 of Magic and the Other Guy. And you may already have noticed there is a definite difference in audio today. And Kevin, there is a very good reason for that difference in audio. Where are we and what are we doing today? We have moved our production from the porch into the kitchen. A few episodes ago, I teased up unintentionally the fact that one day we should have a go at making a proper Chante French soup, as taught to me by my wonderful neighbour, Madame Fauconet, who was so gracious and looked after me like a long-lost son when I moved to this tiny hamlet. And uh, she taught me to cook. And um, one of the main things that she stressed from the outset when I used to sit in her kitchen for hours and hours during the day, because she was always cooking. Every day the house had these marvellous smells. But the one thing she wanted to instill in me from the outset is cooking doesn't need to be complicated. It's a pleasure. It's something that happens naturally, organically, every day in France, particularly surrounded. It alters as you go. It alters as you go. It's very much a matter of, now, we're making a soup today. And really, the reason for making a good soup, according to Madame Faulkner, is you're simply using up everything that you don't want to throw away. So I've got some mushrooms, some carrots, some garlic, a red onion, some potatoes. And on the right-hand side, you can see there, Kevin, I went out to my garden today and cut a big handful of fresh rosemary. Because the one thing Madame Fauconet said to me when I first moved to Fail was, Steve, you're going to have to plant rosemary. You're going to use it every day. In almost every dish you're going to make in Charente cooking, you're going to be using rosemary. So, and, what, and what were you using the first time I came over and you cooked out? Uh, I think it was rosemary put, rosemary on, put on, on the top, barbecue. On That's the, right. On top of the chicken and the bangers. <laughs> yes, absolutely right. Yes. Now you can buy fresh rosemary from almost any store now. A lot of fresh herbs are available from many stores. And if you just take a couple of uh, cuttings of that fresh rosemary, just remove the leaves off the bottom couple of inches and just put the, um, the cuttings in a glass of water. And just leave it in some sunlight, not strong sunlight, just on the windowsill or somewhere where it's going to get some natural sunlight. Within a couple of weeks, you should start to see roots. I mean, it's that simple. And then from there, you just put it in a pot or put it in the garden. It's very hardy. It's very resilient to temperature drops. It likes water, etc., etc., likes sunshine, but it will survive almost anything, which is great because I'm not a gardener. I'm like my dad. He was a great gardener. How about you? Do you garden a lot? Do you grow no, things? I, I, gosh, I can't even remember. Barely, barely as a child, mom, mom had a few tomatoes, little uh, miniature tomatoes. Yeah. Uh, we had those. We had a uh, crab apple tree and... That's about the extent that I can recall. Yeah. Just, those, just those little tomato plants. My sister, I think, had a few more. They'd always had something in the back, and they would grow something during the year. But, uh, yeah, we just did not venture into that uh, territory. 
Well, before we part today, having recorded this, allow me to give you a couple of shoots of fresh rosemary and just see if you can get some roots to grow in. Just for fun, just see what happens. We'll give it a go. Yeah, I mean, you can, again, you can buy those rosemary shoots a couple of dollars. And a couple of dollars now, if you look around uh, the lake house down here, I must have probably 10 or 12 fully, you know, big, well matured rosemary bushes which is, which is a good thing because again i use it almost every day so we're going to be making chicken soup today yesterday i roasted a chicken and so we're going to be uh, using the, uh, the the chicken to make that but before we make the soup we need to make the stock and the stock is a very simple thing to make so what you do to make the stock is, we've taken the chicken bones, the, the carcass of this, we've removed all the flesh from the chicken, so all the good chicken we've removed from that. And so now we just, in, in this pot on our range here, we just have the carcass of the chicken. Now we're gonna put some hot water in this saucepan and fill it about three quarters of the way up. Put in our big bunch of, of, of fresh rosemary and then bring it to the boil. And that's it. It's that simple. It doesn't need to have anything else in. Now, a lot of folks will say, oh, you need to put vegetables in there and you need to put onions and garlic and different spices in the stock. Madame Folk and I always told me, you don't need to do that. You're going to do that in the making of the soup. Exactly. Right? What we're trying to do at the moment is just get the stock, get the goodness out of the bones. So, if you allow me to just get over to the sink and we'll fill this up with cold water. And then, what essential, I've always been told, with making the stock, Kevin, is bring it to the boil. Make sure it brings to the boil, which is good for destroying most of the bacteria. I'm not sure anybody's going to guarantee that all the bacteria is killed in anything when something's brought to the boil, but it'll certainly help. I do know that whenever I watch survival shows on the TV and uh, survival experts have found an unknown water source, the first thing they always do is say, boil it, boil it, boil it, it'll help to kill the bacteria. Well, so, if Bear Grylls comes in the front door while we're doing this, I think he'll, 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 he'll be helpful. <laughs> So, that, so there we go. So now we've got a potted water. And uh, that is about three quarters full. And uh, we're going to set that aflame and we're ready to go. So that's all the way up. And now we're just going to take our, our rosemary that we gathered here, chopped about 10 minutes ago. And we're just going to put that in the pot. That's it. And we'll save a little bit because a little bit of that I'll, I'll put in the soup as we make the soup. But Very good. That's a, a big handful. You can't really use too much. A lot of a lot of what we're doing here, a gentle listener. I mean, you might be thinking, well, you know, cooking doesn't really lend itself to an audio medium. It's really a visual medium. But there's nothing we can do about that. We're going to have some fun doing it with audio. You just have to close your eyes and imagine imagine the scenes. I tell you what, we could do though as we go on. We could take a few photographs and hopefully we'll be able to put them on Twitter or onto a website. And so. Uh, we can process. share that experience. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So we can definitely do that. Yeah. So what I think the best thing to do now is we'll shut off the audio while we get this up to the get it up to boil. So we're not sort of wasting our, our podcast time by letting things come up to the boil. And then we'll we'll be back here with with you in ten or fifteen minutes, and then do get on to the next stage. Exactly. How about that? All right. Let's do that. See you in a bit. Okay, Kevin, we're back. Now, the stock has been brought to the boil, um, and we've turned it down a little bit to about medium heat, so it's now it's on a rolling boil. Aromas are starting to fill the kitchen. Yeah, you can really smell that rosemary now, right? So, the wonderful natural oils of the rosemary are being 
released from the uh, rosemary stalks and all the goodness from the chicken carcass and the little bit of chicken meat that's left on the bones is also coming out and you can see already that the colour of the stock liquid is now turning almost golden yellow. Yes. Yeah. Definitely your chicken soup uh, colour is yeah. coming out. It's, it's, it's getting there. So that's, that is the stock basis of the soup. So Kevin, why don't you, um, if you'd be kind enough to chop a few of these vegetables. I'm going to start with these potatoes. Yeah. And um, Madame Fauconet always liked to keep the potato skins when peeling potatoes, and she would add them to the stock. And the reason I don't do that is I'm always just a little afraid of uh, the sand or grit that maybe, yeah, just let it go into the sink. Um, and uh, the sand or grit that may be in the eyes of the potato and the skin, but I'm always just a little sensitive about biting down, <laughs> biting down on stuff like that because the dental work in the States is so expensive. I'm not trying to, trying to avoid a crack too. So I don't put the potato peelings into the stock. We'll have naked potatoes. Yeah, we'll have naked potatoes. So we'll peel the potatoes, chop them into quarters or thereabouts, you know, inch, inch and a half cube. Again, it doesn't need to be a drama, just just a, you know, usable size. And um, to your liking as a, as a chef. Yeah, and uh, yeah, exactly. And then we're going to do the same with the onions. We'll chop the onions up. Again, there's no regimented size it needs to be. You're just chopping them up so we can put them into a pan and simmer them down into a soup. And then uh, we're going to use a wonderful Moulinex blender to blend the soup anyway. So, right. you know, uh, and the same with the, and the mushrooms. I managed to get a good deal on just plain white pre-washed cut mushrooms from the store yesterday. So that's what we're using. Now, some folks will say, oh, my goodness, no, you've got to have organic mushrooms and, and all of that. It's, 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 no, you don't. It's, whatever you've got is what you've got. Now, I will say, Kevin, the one exception to uh, um, austerity, as I sometimes like to describe the way that I cook, is, and again, this is something that Madame F taught me, Madame Fauconet taught me. She said, you need to have extra virgin olive oil. You need to have it. Every kitchen should. Every kitchen should. And there are some chefs that will say extra virgin olive oil um, should only be used on salads and dressings. Don't cook with it. Now, when I suggested this to the Fauconet, I got one of those expressions as if to say, who have you been talking to? Because like their understanding of olive oil is simply this. The best olive oil in the world is cold-pressed extra virgin olive oil and other than, you know, you're not going to be frying with it. But for everything else, if you're making soup with it, if you're basting chicken with it, whatever you're doing, you want to be using extra virgin olive oil. Yeah, that's what she taught me, and that's what I do. Now, I have heard tales of celebrity chefs saying that they, they have to go to the same far-flung farmhouse in the Tuscan hills of Italy once a year to get their particular favorite brand of olive oil. It's well, a three, it's a three-day donkey ride. <laughs> you, know, I, you know, now, again, when I explained that to my French neighbors, they looked at me and gave me one of those ah bon expressions. Ah, ah oui, hein, c'est comme ça. <laughs> Peut-être c'est comme ça en Paris, hein, mais par la compagnie. Maybe they do that in Paris. Everything that was a bit strange was something that happened in Paris, uh -huh. not, in the, not in the country. So... 
Treat yourself, gentle listener, if you can afford to do so, treat yourself to some extra virgin olive oil. And frankly, when you look at the cost of olive oil, um, a litre of good extra virgin olive oil is about the same as a, as, a, as, a, as a bottle of wine. So is it expensive? A bottle of wine is going to go in one meal, probably, with a table of four. Um, you know, that, that three litre can of olive oil that I've got there has sat there for about three months. So I'm okay with that. But I would always say that if it's one my one of my only concession to luxury, treat yourself to extra virgin olive oil. You won't regret it. But I'm not expecting anybody to be spending huge sums of money on it. But there we are. And again, one thing we mentioned earlier on, Kevin, I was talking about rosemary. And uh, I have a wonderful book in my collection of books which is called Cool Peppers Complete Herbal. And this is a wonderful book. My copy is from England in the 1940s, and it's printed on rather subpar paper and rather subpar ink because of uh, war economies. And there's a little note in the front of the book to say that. But this Cool Peppers Complete Herbal, um, written many, many years ago, with references to all sorts of herbs you're going to find in the woods and forests of Europe, particularly in England. And... What it says about, about rosemary is, is I, I mean, I've highlighted a couple of little things here I want to, want to share with you. So this is, this is the cool peppers talking about rosemary, and the description is that it rises from a long, woody, divoted root, a little fibrous, and the shrub is covered with a brown, tough bark, and the young shoots are a greyish green. That's the description of the plant itself. And then it goes on to the, um, the uses and the remedies that it can be used for. <laughs> it says... It helps a weak memory and quickens the senses. Well, that, I'm all for that, personally. Yeah, that. yeah, I'm all for that. And then, it is a remedy for the windiness in the stomach, bowels, and spleen, and expels it powerfully. Well, we all need some of that in, in our life, for sure, don't we? So there, there, there's one. Right. the title this Wonder Soup. <laughs> That's, that's the joy of rosemary. So, yeah, we're good on rosemary. We're good on olive oil. Kevin, you're doing a great job of, of peeling the potatoes. We have now peeled potatoes, correct. Yeah. One other piece of advice I was taught, but not by Madame Fauconet, but by Nigel Stepney, my chief mechanic at Benetton, was the most dangerous tool in your toolbox will be a blunt knife. Yes. So a knife should always be sharp. Otherwise, who knows what's likely to happen. Now, a sharp knife is you know, potentially dangerous enough, but a blunt knife, if you were to slip off, uh, can cause all sorts of problems. So a sharp knife is what you need in your kitchen. Just be careful when you're using it. I'm chopping with a fine piece of cutlery. <laughs> that's, that's right. Yeah. So we'll, we'll chop. That's, that's great, Kevin. So we're chopping those potatoes in sort of inch, inch and a half pieces. It doesn't have to be, you know, again, it's nothing complicated. It's not a drama. If there's one thing I want to try and instill my lessons of being taught to cook in France is it ain't a drama, nothing a drama. This is what we do every day. Yeah. It's been a long time since I've cooked anything from scratch, so this is a yeah. treat. Uh, actually, in junior high, we had home ec. Oh, yeah. And one of the uh, semesters was cooking. And I had the fortunate uh, experience of the next class I had after that was science yeah. with Miss Roberts. Okay. And Miss Roberts was more than happy to let you show up a little bit tardy if you brought treats. Oh. If we cooked biscuits <laughs> and you're running a little bit late, but you have a biscuit for Miss Roberts, you're, you're good to go. So we would always bring her something along the way. You were quids in, as they'd say in England. You were quids in, yeah. All right, gentle listeners. So I think why, why the stock 
uh, continues to do its stuff. And I'm going to let this stock boil. It's not an absolutely crazy boil now. I've turned it down to about half E, so it's a rolling boil. Uh, but the smells out of it are, are fantastic already, I think. Uh, we're going to let this cook, the stock cook for about 45 minutes in total. And why Kevin earns his keep by cutting the vegetables, and again, we've got carrots, onion, garlic, and the chicken, the chicken's in the fridge keeping cold until yep. we need it. Uh, and a little bit of extra rosemary we'll put in later on. Uh, we'll be back with you and continue with the soup. Talk soon. And we are back in the kitchen. We have now drained the stock and gotten rid of all the uh, ingredients that were left inside, chucked those in the bin, and we now have a beautiful, I think you would agree, golden stock. I think the stock has come out very well. So yeah, we put it through the sieve, simply drain the stock after it had been, you know, at a low boil, rolling boil for, what we say it was, about 45 minutes, 50 minutes, just to make sure- Yeah, we gave it a good, good long time. And um, just be careful, you know, when you go to drain that stock, because it's an obvious point to make, but it's sometimes easily missed that that pot that you're lifting up is incredibly hot. So then drain that through a sieve into another saucepan to drain all the wonderful uh, stock. Yeah, and just put everything then that we don't want, the rest of the chicken bones, etc., and the uh, discarded rosemary that goes in the trash can. But the end results of that, I, I think most folk and I would say that's okay. It's a... It's almost a golden color to a slight green from the from the rosemary that's there. It's kind of a celery green. Yeah, and a beautiful smell to it. I think it's got a fantastic smell. So I think the first half of our process here, the making of the stock was a success. Exactly. And I think well just, done. just the fact that we're doing this in the middle of the winter yeah. is, a, is a different process than if we were in the middle of July. This is, yeah. absolute, this, it, this is a perfect recipe for coming into the house after a long walk out in the cold or in the snow, whatever it would be, sit down around the fire and have a cup or a bowl of this soup. It's going to warm up. It. Wonderful smells from it. So now we have the stock in this saucepan over here. Uh, so let's start to make the soup itself. Let's Kevin. do it. And we mentioned earlier on my desire uh, from Madame Fauconet's teachings to have extra virgin olive oil. So that's my can of extra virgin olive oil. Uh, for a start, we've chopped the garlic, and I say we, that's a royal we, because you very kindly did that, which is marvellous. Very, very thin slices, which is tremendous. Again, it doesn't need to be an overcomplicated thing. We're just looking to put the stuff into the pan with the olive oil to, at a very low heat, just to start to get it moving. And we're going to start with the garlic, then we're going to put the onions in, then we're going to put the mushrooms in. That's the way that Madame Fauconet showed me. I think it makes sense. When you start to see it cook, it kind of does seem logical to me. But again, look, if you put them in in any other order and they're cut to different sizes, you're still going to end up with a great yep. soup. So I wouldn't worry about any of that. Yep. Really. And everybody can bring in their own yeah. way of doing things. Yes, and that's, yeah, you're absolutely right. Because whenever you ask a chef or a cook with experience, you know, for a recipe of something, they'll look at you like, well, there, you know, there isn't, we, this is, we're just going to do this. This is how we do it. You put a pinch of this in, a bit of that in. Yeah. <laughs> it's very difficult to nail. And get something at the end, no matter what. Absolutely. So put the, um, the large saucepan now on a, a reasonably low heat. And we're going to put, I don't know, what do, you, what do you think of that is? A couple of tablespoons of olive oil? Yeah, a little bit more. A little bit more than that? Yeah. Now it's on a low heat. We'll just leave that for a second, just to get up to temperature. Then we're going to add the garlic. And uh, Kevin's got the garlic sitting here on the chopping board with a knife, so I'm just going to put the chopping board straight over 
And yeah. garlic is in? The garlic is in. Now already you can hear that starting to sizzle a little bit. The only thing you have to watch here at this stage, when you, when you start to do this, the garlic has a tendency to stick to the bottom of the pan, which you don't really want, so just kind of keep it moving. I've just got a little wooden spoon here. You should start to hear that. If we listen, I hope, hopefully the mic will be able to pick this up. It just... Little pops. Yep. Yeah. And we're soon going to get a definite, different aroma filling the kitchen. They are fantastic ingredients just like that. Now if you're making an aglio olio, which is just basically spaghetti, olive oil, garlic, and then put some chili in, that's the base of that recipe right there. So we're, <laughs> so we're already halfway through another recipe. So we'll keep that moving. Don't want that to get, we're not gonna, we don't want to burn the garlic. Okay, it'll start to change color to a slight golden brown, but we don't want it to burn. That's good, I like that. Just keep it moving. Yeah. Now, I'll ask you to put the, the onion in. Onion. So we've chopped this up. You did some good chopped onion slices there, but again, it can be any, really any slice, any size, within reason, you know. You can't get that wrong. As long as you chop the onion. We use, we use red onion. I don't know if that's, if you prefer a white or a red. Whatever you want. It's red today. It's red because that's what they had at the store. And if you went down to the market in France and all they had was red onions that day, that's what's going in the recipe. That's right. As simple as that. That was a great joy of, of, of shopping to cook. And we've talked about this before on another episode of Mash and the other guy. The, you know, the joy of cooking in, in France is you would go down to the market and find out what they had and then plan your recipe from that. And at the end of the day, when we've done this, Kevin, we should end up with well over a gallon of soup just because of the amount of ingredients we've got here. But the joy of it is, um, you know, you can put it into containers and put it in the freezer. And yeah. It'll keep. Well, like I said, this time of the year, it's good to have it handy. And, yeah. and too, it's good to have chicken soup if somebody might have a little bit of a cold in the house or something. Chicken is, you know, it's full of everything that's good for you. It really is. So I'm just constantly keeping this moving now to prevent it burning onto the bottom of the, the pan. One of my great, great luxuries is I have, I've cheated myself to a couple of Le Creuset pans because I, I like them. It reminds me of my time in France. Uh, they're certainly not the cheapest, but I do enjoy them. And um, you know that one of my favorite colors is blue. So my collection of Le Creuset pans. You do have a very nice blue collection. They're blue and, you know, I try not to be crazy with, with money, quite frankly, um, but I do I do enjoy cooking and I don't know. I like to be remembered of my time in France and these, these remind me of my time in France. So. Well, too, it goes to any, anything that you buy that's going to outlast you if you take good care of it, right. that's, that's money well spent. Yeah. And this, this pan uh, on the right-hand side, this frying pan, which is also a blue Le Creuset pan, I actually found that on eBay. And uh, got a great deal on it as well. Awesome. Uh, so I think it's used, and it took me a while to clean it up and get it, you know, get it back to looking as good as it does, in my opinion, now. But you can do it. You can find them out there. And if you're prepared to buy used second-hand pans, find them on eBay or wherever your particular preferred trading site is. We're not affiliated with eBay, but wherever you find your second-hand items, you can find get some real good bargains there. Oh yeah. All right. I think that's good. The, the onions are 
starting to change colour a little bit now yeah. as of the garlic, right? The oil is being absorbed into the onions. Yeah, they all have a nice shimmer to them. Yeah, I think we're ready for the mushrooms. Ready, ready mushrooms. Yes, yeah, sir. Let's try that now. Alright, so in go off. Alright, dumping those. Yeah, these are just white sliced mushrooms because we've got a good deal on them from the store. We have washed them again. But, you know, the label says we don't need to do that, but we, we have done that. No extra washing ever hurt. No, I don't think so. And as you mentioned earlier on, Kevin, just while we uh, stopped down for a while while the stock was boiling, uh, just clean up the kitchen as you're going along is without doubt the way to go forward. So when you've done one thing, if you're waiting for something to get up to temperature or you're waiting for a stock to simmer, that's the time when you just wash up the pots and pans that you've already used and they're ready to go for the next stage. Yeah. So it's just a constant process. You're never sort of really you know, twiddling your thumbs wondering what to do, what the next thing is, because you're always just busy doing something. Then you're ready to enjoy with a uh, clear mind and a clear kitchen. <laughs> exactly. We'll let that continue to. Well, something uh, sweat. Something down. that the listener may not know is yeah. that any time that you're in the kitchen or doing anything in this area of the house, you're watched over by Madame Fauconet. Yes. They may, not, a, they may not know the famous picture that's yeah. on the fridge. I have a photograph of Monsieur and Madame Fauconet on the fridge. I don't have many photographs of that time, uh, but we'll try and post that picture just so you can see the Fauconet mm -hmm. in there. In I've noticed ever kitchen. since the first time I came to visit here. Yeah. They're just a wonderful couple that were very warm and welcoming and Again, I've said it at times, they took me under their wing and looked after me and taught me to speak French. Correct, Chavante French, as they would, as they would have it. And uh, taught me to cook and taught me many things. But what the, the overriding thing that they taught me was, it's whatever we've got is here to share with those around us. And their, their great pleasure in life was cooking, sitting down over a dinner table, having a glass of wine, and just telling s stories from bygone times, you know, yeah. Well, I think that's a European thing quite a bit, and that's something that we kind of overlook a little too often in the States. Yes. The sense of community uh, in those small communities. For example, we're talking about, you know, the cold weather and the joy of having a good soup in the cold weather. But when it snowed in France and you were snowed in, then all the families in that one little community, and it isn't just France, it's all over the place, but my experience is in France, but... They would all come together to make sure that everyone was taken care of, that no one was overlooked. That, yeah. yeah. If a family had a little cheese and another family had a loaf of bread, another family had a goose or whatever it would be, there is a dinner for three families. Exactly. Yeah. And if anyone was brave enough to trudge off over the fields in the snow to try and get to the store and buy anything, then, you know, you brought it back and you shared it out amongst everybody else. Yeah. You know? That's just how it was. All right, so there's our mushrooms that are cooking down nicely. I think now we're ready to add the carrots and the potatoes. All right. Get some bulk in there. Yeah. So we'll add those to the mix as well. Going in. Yep. So you've chopped those potatoes in. They're about one inch quarters. Yeah, wonderfully well. One inch uh, chunks. Yeah. And our carrots, we talked about, you know, you know never overlook a bargain. The, uh, the baby carrots were also on offer. Uh, so we've got a bag of those for a good, good deal. So just whack those in half. <laughs> yes, exactly. Which means there was no, no peeling, no scraping, no chopping the tops off or all of that. All right, so 
just have a listen to that. We haven't put the peas in yet. I just want to save a moment to put the peas in. And that little bit of olive oil. But the noise that you can hear now as it starts to bubble yep. is, the, is the juices and the fluids coming out of the vegetables. Again, you just want to stir it just every now and again. Just keep it moving so it's not sticking to the bottom of the pan. But we've gone off that. That noise has definitely changed now. It's no longer the sizzle of the olive oil. That's been absorbed into the veg. Now the noise you can hear are the wonderful juices and aromas from the fresh vegetables as it starts to sweat down I've always known exactly. this process, yeah. I'm just going to take a photograph while we're doing this, Kevin, because I'd like to post this if we can later. I'll just show you, oh, wonderful. Well, I think we need documentation to prove we just didn't throw sound effects and just sit, <laughs> we're just sitting here at the bar or something like well, that instead. Yeah, that's right. Well, that's right, yeah. This proves that we actually made it. Here we go, snap. Play the sizzling sound effect. <laughs> we've done it. So we've got that. We've got the snap of that. Okay. The last thing we need to put in is our one can of garden peas. So, All right. So let's do that. Dumping can of peas. Yeah, these are these are unsalted. It just doesn't matter if you don't like your salt or prefer not to have salt. Well, you know, you're going to buy unsalted peas. It doesn't matter. Whatever you've got, mm -hmm. put the peas in. Don't put the peas in. Put in whatever you've got. Well, and aesthetically, you know, now we've got we've got the purple of the red onion. We've got the orange of the carrots. We've got the green of the peas. So. You're, it's not only delicious smelling, it's delicious looking. You're telling me to take another photograph, aren't you? That's, that's where you're going with that. I can you can't call that something. You're right here. Okay, I'm going to take another photograph. Now. Oh, yeah. So the only thing left to put in is chicken. I'm going to put that in now. And what I've done is, is taken all the... cut and pulled all the little bits of the dark meat from the chicken from the bones before we made the stock. So I'm adding those in now. Now we're ready to add our stock. Okay. Here we go, more into now. Calms the sizzle. Yeah. starting to look like soup. Now it's looking like soup. I'm going to turn the heat up high now because I'd like to get this up to a boil. We've already had the stock up to a boil and when we made it of course but now I, I like to just bring it up to a boil again. There's health reasons for doing that and as soon as it's up to a boil Madame Fauconet always told me bring it to a boil then pull it straight back down again. So it's only boiling just for a few seconds just to make sure that it's reached that temperature and then we'll bring it down and simmer it. Well, one thing I've noticed is we've not added any salt or anything like that. It's right. a very natural soup. It's absolutely natural. We actually had no salt on the peas too. So yeah. those of you that have you know salt uh, aversions, this is often yeah. often after a good start. Now, at any time, you know, you can season the soup to whatever you want with salt and pepper, a little bit of chili pepper. I haven't put anything in because. It's personal preference. If I was making the soup just for me, I know what I want in there. But exactly. as you know, it's, it's easy to always add seasoning, exactly. but it's very difficult to mask that flavor if it's too much yeah. on the back side of it. So, and you know, that's something yeah. I grew up not ever, I, I've never salted anything. Right. Since I was little till now. Well, very, very rarely would I add salt to anything. And I just started, 
in the past, I don't know, like you said, 10 years, you know, throwing pepper on a potato dish or something like that, maybe a pot pie or something like that, just a little bit to give yeah. it a little zip. Well, we're not supposed to have too much salt these days. Exactly. Right? So, so I always said I'm doing hopefully the right thing by avoiding it anyway. Yeah. But then I'll get, you know, and how, something already has it made in it, but still. How are you with black pepper? Are you okay with black That's pepper? That's what I was saying. I've, I've just started kind of adding it to certain things. Yeah. Um, and I think it definitely enhances some of it. Again, I think we had in a previous discussion that when my mom cooked, she wasn't very adventurous. Yeah. Didn't like anything remotely spicy, so I don't don't remember growing up with it. Well, usually at this point, I would put salt, pepper, and a little bit of chili pepper in, but because we're going to share this soup around, we're not going to do that. Yeah, and we can so, always add. Yeah, it. you so, can add add in whatever you want, and as you say, some like, folks like it very salty. Some cannot have salt. Highly up to the. My, my wife loves a good salty dish, so she'll she'll add some. I'm sure yeah. to her. Her little bowl there. All right, well, we're going to stop down again just while we now cook the soup. So we're going to wait for the soup to come up to the boil, and then we're going to drop the temperature down to a simmer and simmer it for around 40, 45 minutes, thereabouts. We want it just to start to, everything will become soft and malleable and pliable in, in the pot. And then when we come back, we'll show you uh, the Moulinex part of it with, it with a food blender and go through that last stage. But I think that's looking pretty good. I think it's looking wonderful. Yeah, it's smelling pretty good too. All right. All right, gentle listeners, stick with us. We'll be right back. 45 minutes, there or thereabouts has passed. Would you say something like that? Somewhere around there, and the, the aromas are wafting through the house now. Yes, it's looking very good. It's smelling very good, which is terrific. So now we've got, it, got the soup on an absolute um, gentle simmer. Uh, and now we're going to make the one exception to modernity and we have here uh, we're going to moulinex it or put it through a food blender but it's one of those food blenders Kevin uh, that you put straight into the pot you don't take the soup and put it into a blender back into the machine and put it back in again and the one I've got is called a Casino Smart Stick and it's exactly the same one that Madame Fauconet had now being of the countryside in France, she had one of the original hand-cranked Moulinex. But when her husband, René, brought one of these home from the shop, Manifokin was absolutely thrilled. Ooh la la, you know, everything's modern in, in this house. <laughs> so, Happy to join the 20th century yes. on that one. <laughs> absolutely. So now we're going to do that. So the noise is going to be quite high, I think, using this Moulinex, but we're now going to blend the soup down and it'll change texture completely. We have taken a photograph of it just prior to this, so we can see it before and after the, uh, the Moulinex stage, if you like. So let's put this through and then see Again, do documentation is proof. Yes, absolutely, here we go. Just stirring it around gently in the pot. And it's already starting to transform. Yeah. never thought about using one of these hand stick uh, ones in a pot of such like that. I always thought it was more of a drink, drink blender, but this will work for sure. Multi-function multi tool. And, and the idea is that the potato that we put in, along with the peas, the starch from the peas and the starch from the potato, will transform the soup into a much thicker consistency. And... Uh, Again, what you want at this time of year, something very hearty. Something very hearty, yeah. The, the French word for this is velouté. Velouté, which is a thick soup or a thick sauce of any type. Uh -huh. But uh, well, it sounds like it might come from volume. 
be. It could well be. Yeah, the French word come from yeah, original be. origins and volume. It could well be. But, but you can't really overdo this. When you decide that it's thick enough, that it's blended enough, that they, you, you got rid of all the bigger pieces in the soup, you can stop. But you can't really over, over blend it at this stage. And it's changing. It almost looks like a sort of porridge consistency. I was exactly yeah. thinking that exact term. Yeah. I'm thinking we're, we're getting pretty close to that. What do you think, what do you think of that? Yeah, that's just about right. It doesn't take long with one of these blenders. No. No, and the only other way to do it in, in olden times, you would take a ladle, take the hot soup, so you always risk of burning yourself, and put it through this hand blender and blend it down and again and again and again. So again, I think when my French neighbors saw this, this wonderful piece of modern technology, they just loved it. Like, oh, I love it. All right, let's... let's I can't stop doing it. I'm going to do it for 10 more seconds and then stop. Now it's changing. Now all of a sudden it's looking a lot more uniform. Yep. Yeah, please turn it off before you lift it out. Yes, yeah, so we'll do it. <laughs> we'll, we'll both be covered. There we go. Just like that. Very good. And then to clean this, the device simply splits into two. So we can put the part with the electric motor down. And then if you'd be kind enough to put that into the kitchen sink. And now... I'm going to try and take a photograph of this, and I wonder whether or not the mic will pick it up, Kevin. When you run the blender through the water, just come and have a look at the soup now, and I'll show you this wonderful... This is the tip that it's right. It looks like lava. Yep. It's just Bubble, bubbling up. I'll just see if I can get it. A couple, couple pieces shot outside the punch bowl. <laughs> it it's yeah. alive. It's, it's the alive. soup is alive. So now we can turn the soup off. And it's nearly done. It's folding up wonderfully. It looks like a sort of cream, doesn't it? Now? It kind of looks like a squash soup. Yeah. Yeah, it does, yeah. Yeah. And then finally, the pièce de résistance, as they like to say. We'll take some of the last sprigs of, of rosemary and just hold the, uh, the sprig and run your fingers backwards down the stem. And what that'll do is just pull some of the leaves off. Strip them off. Just strip them off. Just, just enough, really. And um, this is probably more for garnish than anything else at this stage because there's a lot of rosemary in the stock, as you remember, when okay, we're yeah. making the stock. But yeah, the flavor is in there for sure. Just a little bit. We're getting to, getting to the close of our soup-making experience. But that's it. I think that is our wintry chicken soup uh, as made to... Dear old Madame Fauconnet's recipe in the Charente in France, in the tiny little hamlet of Fayol, and sitting in her kitchen when the snow was coming down, that was exactly the recipe that she would, she would teach me to make. Beautiful. There is only one final step that we need to try, of course, and that is to try the soup. Now I'm just going to move this soup. I think any chef agrees that's the most important step. Yeah. <laughs> Let's see. Or it's well, all for naught. It's all for naught. Put your little sample into a bowl over here. Yep, we've got pro proper, what you call proper crockery. Yeah, I mean, they look like little fun country bowls. I'm not sure where I got these from, actually, but uh, we'll take a photograph of the soup in the bowls before we try it. How about that? That'll work. Yeah, just to get an idea. Again, proof. <laughs> yeah. The proof is in the pudding. One thing that's evident is it is standing up, by which I mean, you know, it has got form to it. It's very, it is very thick and voluté as it's well. It's got body. It's got body. It's absolutely got body. Yes, it's a great thing. All right. Now to look, and, and I've really never had this, but it looks like kind of like a butternut squash 
look to me. It does. It is very thick, unctuous, as they say. All right, so that's our suit. Now, I'm just going to go and get my camera. So, um, if you keep our gentle listener occupied, why well, just get my camera? Well, I'm going to guard them to make sure that the uh, assorted uh, critters of the woodlands don't come in here and try to steal the suit while we are trying to get some photography taken here. I think I'll be okay. all right. I've got my phone. I'm trying to get it onto camera. The woodland, woodland creatures are probably beckoning at the door. Yeah, there we go. Gosh, you see, it does look very thick, I must say. There we go. Okay, we've got it. Very good. We've got the photographic evidence of it. Here's a spoon, good sir. Help right. yourself to a bowl and let's see what this wonderful concoction actually I tastes think, like. I think we must say bon appétit. Bon appétit. Yes, and bon appétit, Madame Fokadam. Merci beaucoup. But I think it's buttery. You think there's a little bit of a butter, and there's no butter in it, but kind of a buttery texture. Yeah. Yep. It, I, I think that's okay, actually. Oh, yeah, yeah. I like it. Yeah, I think it adds to it. Taste the chicken very much. Yep, yep. There's no doubt you can taste the rosemary in it, but we did use we, quite we, a lot we, of it. We very rosemaryed it up. Hmm. Definitely good on a winter's, winter's day yesterday. Well, as immodest as this is going to sound, I think we did okay there. I think we did. Yeah. Two chaps poking around the kitchen and we came up with something. <laughs> we may survive another day. <laughs> till till right. the troops arrive. Okay, gentle listener, thank you very much for sticking with us through that. We hope you enjoyed it. And again, the golden takeaway has got to be, it isn't complicated. It doesn't have to be a drama. Cook things gently. One of Madame Fauconet's great phrases, she always used to say to me when we were cooking was doucement, which means slowly, slowly, doucement, doucement, doucement. Don't savor, rush anything. Savor the process savor as much the process. as you savor yeah. the dish. Nothing needs to be at high heat. You don't need to see flames and all of that. <laughs> Everything nice. You don't have to be Benny Hanna at your house. <laughs> that's right. That's right. All right. Well, I think it's time for us to sign off, Kevin. I think so. I think we've done uh, quite an interesting uh, new venture on this one. Yeah. Hey. And if you like the idea of these, uh, th th this cooking that we've done today and you'd like us to attempt to do something else, maybe we should try one of Kevin's recipes next time. How about that? I think that'd be kind of a cool thing. Sounds, like, sounds like another adventure yeah. in, the, in the kitchen. <laughs> Take care and see you next time. See you then.